Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. Thanks so much for coming back to Windowsill Chats. And if this is your first listen, I'm so glad you're here. I had such a wonderful time talking with my new friend, Margot Kent. And she's one of those people that I've known about for eons, really years, because I used to see the Peg and All booth at the gift shows and think, oh my gosh, who are these clever people that got into this right after I stopped being a manufacturer's rep, and I would have loved to have them in the Relish showroom, which I had at the time. So I have been a fan, and she makes amazing jewelry, and they just do wonderful things. So we kind of got to know each other a little bit through the DMs, and oh my gosh, I think I could talk to Margot for hours on end. She's just wonderful. I love how her mind works. She's so creative. She absolutely lives it every way, every day. And I don't know, she might not agree, but that's what it looks like to me from the outside. And we have a wonderful chat here with you. Margot is the co-founder of Peg and All with her lovely husband, Walter, and they created it without a plan, but a rather fortunate pairing of their two very creative minds that are different, but obviously in sync. And together with a team, they create from old things, they create from treasures found and recovered, and they also ended up creating some amazing things from artists for artists. And if you check out their website, you'll see that. And if you listen, you'll you'll hear about it as well. We talk about all sorts of great topics. We talk about how Paganol first began, how Margot manages a creative business, working both with her husband as well as homeschooling and you know, managing just the expectations that personally come with all of that, that we put on ourselves, the importance of tooting your own horn and promoting yourself and how she tries to instill this into her wonderfully creative children, why they do things in-house now with her jewelry, the discovery of new mediums, all sorts of things, you guys. I could go on and on and on. But I think one of the wonderful things that we get into is just... To me, it feels like a conversation between two old friends, even though we're new friends. So join us, grab your paint water or a glass of wine or or whatever's around you and dig in and get ready for a conversation with the wonderful Margot Kent. Thank you so much for being here, Margot. And I love that you're a Margot and I'm a Margot too. I I know, it's wild. (laughs) It's wild. People (laughs) always ask me, do you spell it the, it's like, no, I don't. I wish I did (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it wasn't, I'm not the one who picked that. So it's very fabulous. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, um, I did pick mine out. My, my parents spelled it with a T and, uh-huh. um, and my dad said he always wanted an AUX, but he thought it'd be too confusing. And, um, my name was, was not like amazing together. So I changed it when I was younger I love and that. unofficially later. Yeah. Even but now better. I want to go back to OT. <laughs> well, you could, you could change it back. <laughs> <laughs> my mom always said I not always but I remember once asking her like why didn't you put a tea on it or you know what, what were you were you drinking wine at the time and, and she said and she told me it's the Scottish way of spelling it I was like what you made that up <laughs> <laughs> oh, but anyway I love having this name because you can call anybody except either one of our friends and say oh it's Margo and they'll know who you right. are without having to say 
anything else. Completely. <laughs> Although I feel like I'm seeing more Margos, more young ones um, cropping up. <laughs> They're just wanting to take after us. What can we say? <laughs> I'm so glad to talk to you today, though. You are someone that's been on my radar for years, just from going to shows and seeing Peg and all and just being like, because it was right when I was stopping my company and and going into more corporate and it, and it it was booths or you know makers like you I was like oh dang why did I leave I just think what you put out into the world both in physical product and in thoughts and your art is something that we're better because of it so I'd love to know a little bit more about how you kind of came to where you are now and I know that's a big long story but it feels to me when I look at your Instagram and your your surroundings and your writings that you've always had just a, a grounded, creative sort of spirit. So how has that formed you, do you think? <laughs> um, the word grounded already has me laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be the opposite of grounded and so consumed by this um, kind of floating that um, it's just it's just a space that I've never questioned, um, or at least not until recently. So yeah, I don't know, maybe I'm kind of derailing already, but I think there's just this kind of exploratory um, nature that I've just always followed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that there's something, the reason why I'm kind of getting getting tangled in this, to use your word, is um, I think as we become more, um, as the internet and like social media becomes more of a reality, even though it's been around for long enough, I feel like I was living in this fantasy land of it, just, you know, it's just like on this digital journal as it becomes more real and, you know, we, we engage with more and more people, I think I'm starting to, I think I'm starting to feel the ground beneath my feet and it's not mm. a very comfortable feeling. Mm. So um, I'm trying to navigate that, um, you know, my space w- within my own head versus the space and my actual, the space I'm taking up in this world in relation mm. to other people. The reality of it and what yeah. that looks like. It is, you know, I'm I'm glad you said that because yeah, grounded is, it's not, it's the opposite of floating, but I guess um, maybe it's entwined though. Creativity seems to be completely entwined with how you walk through the world. And I, f- I feel like you value that with your family and with your business and with your own practice, you you're committed. It feels like from the outside looking in, really committed to that, which mm-hmm. I admire. And I think m- most of us who are creative are, but we, not all of us can, really um have chosen to surround ourselves in the way that again it feels like you you have with your business and having homeschooled and things like that which i think is is admirable thank you yeah i feel i feel very lucky i think looking back but um when walter and i were first starting peg and all which was like really early on in our relationship kind of everything happened at once i thought it was obvious that we would just make things and you know make this our living in one way or another and and he didn't and i and i remember thinking it was preposterous that he thought you know he's like how how do we know this is going to work and i'm like why wouldn't it work and his family you know when we were talking with them they're like what's plan b and i was like why would we have a plan b if we haven't finished plan a yet or even started plan a so i i think that we are very fortunate for my kind of lack of reality, I think. But when you, you know, it's when you believe something can happen and kind of live in that way, it happens. So uh, yeah, I feel, I feel very grateful for maybe the blindness that that I've been living with. I can completely relate to that. I, I'm a, why, why wouldn't you kind of person? And I feel like maybe that's because I'm not a linear thinker. I don't have to have all ducks in their row. And I'm so grateful for that because it personally, for me, I feel like that's brought along opportunities, friendships, businesses, or whatever it is that tastes, sights, sounds that we wouldn't have if we were like, well, but wait, I was supposed to do this today. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. I feel like every magical thing that's happened in my life was, you know, an accident. And um, mm-hmm. and so much of history, um, you know, the good things that crop up are accidents. Uh, th- yeah. <laughs> well, and I think it comes from often being willing to, to just do it because it, and I, I think it's easier when you, well, it's easier and harder when you have your own business, you, you have to pay the rent and you have to pay the people and, and put the product out. So you can't always just do it, but, but there's more room to, cause you can kind of get everybody together and say, what if we make this, what do you think? Yeah. And, and when a business kind of grows and, and, is I don't know under a different kind of microscope the just do it gets smaller and smaller and I 
I don't think I realized that going into corporate because I wanted to learn more about, you know, how, how to manufacture things overseas or whatever it might be. But what I didn't bargain for was the inability to be flexible and you know just have to look at a spreadsheet and all that with a different kind of eye. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> when you guys started, how did that happen? Did you just think, let's put this thing out into the world? <laughs> yeah, I have been running businesses or had businesses, however that phrase would be since I was 18, 17 or 18. So I definitely, or actually I say that, but I never had a, an actual job. I never filled out an application. Um, I made signs for people, you know, for businesses when I was in middle school and, and yep. made jewelry and elementary school. I mean, I was always kind of doing, but when, when Walter and I met, I had a company called the black spot books and I was making journals and photographs and jewelry. And then he came in with his skills and woodworking. And our business started with a tub caddy, which is something that, that I didn't make and couldn't make that I had been wanting for most of my life. I, I, nice. I always had two old two by fours that I put across my tub and I would write and draw. So he, when Walter made that for me, he made it out of I won't go back too far, but he made it out of old wood that we had been collecting from the neighborhood when they tore down buildings. Oh, nice. And it was just this object that didn't exist in the world. I mean, now there's there are a million different versions yeah. of wooden tub caddies, but at the time they were like plastic, you know, things or metal yeah. things. So it was like, it just seemed so magical that we we're like, why don't we just, we went upstairs, took a photograph of me in the tub with my, <laughs> with my books and we started our business. So, but we, we started on Etsy, which made it really easy to start because it's like, we are, we had already had the camera. We already had the tub caddy. We didn't have to have an inventory. We didn't have to have employees. We just got right. to, we just need 20 cents, you know? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you want it. one? Okay. I'll make one. Yeah, exactly. And then, yeah. And then people would pay before you made it. So kind right. of, you know, then you could get, well, our materials were found. So, but, um, but yeah, so it was, it was a really nice, we're very lucky obviously to, to start at a time where, where making something in broadcasting, it was so accessible. It really was that, that I remember Every day on Etsy, you know, every hour they would change who they would recommend you see. And yes. I would like every hour be like, who, who? it was, it was yeah. kind of the Instagram of its time in a way. Totally. I really thought about that. I didn't either. Yeah. The treasures. The treasures. And you would, you would find that artist and go check them out and just learn about them. And it was a way, it was a different way. And, and those things have to change because like we were talking about a minute ago, they get bigger and different people are making the decisions. And, and then the, the books and the journals and the, your, the tiny little journal necklaces. And those are some things that I remember and the beautiful things you did with leather and metal. And I guess I was really drawn to the realness of it, the warmth, the, the story behind just the materials. Like you said, your wood came from places you had that were being torn down. And I love that so much of it is, is not shiny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that anything's shiny. <laughs> so what do you feel like it means to kind of just immerse yourself in that creative life? How What does that look like for you? I th going back to what you were saying about that, just doing it gets more and more difficult and just kind of like the origins of small businesses. I guess I'm, I'm thinking that when you when we started and I'm definitely understanding and appreciating your, the the thing you tried to skip over the digression of the, you know, the just do it getting smaller. But um, I feel like we're a little bit in that space now and trying to navigate that. But for, certainly when we first started, it's like, because it was a family business and because anything that we found or that we incorporated into our making was kind of justified as being part of the business, we got to use like all of our time to mm explore. So it's very different from the sitting, you know, behind spreadsheets or having meetings. Like we got to go to flea markets or travel. We went to, um, but the boys were, oh no, Silas, I was pregnant with Silas and mm. Soren was little. We went to Europe and went to flea markets there and gathered stuff. I mean, this is before Peganol started, but we had these materials to work with. So, um, so I think it looks like, you know, what life should look like this, mm -hmm. um, family exploration, discovery, education, learning, um, you know, traveling back and forth in time and then making things out of, you know, the objects that are found and kind of inventing stories, you know, finding an old photo album, hopefully there are little marks and names in there, but, but we're really putting together new stories from all these old scraps that we find. Does that answer your question? What it looks like? Yeah, I think there's so many ways to answer that, right? It's, it's kind of a too big of a question, but as you go, do you have, do you ever have trouble taking something you've found and like I was watching a video, a Paganel video, and you were cutting up a beautiful seed sack to make another beautiful thing out of it, which I totally appreciated. But I get 
stuck in passing things on. I get stuck in how to reuse it in a way that it's going to, like if somebody takes an old chippy paint or table and repaints it, oh, sometimes I have a really hard time with that because it's like the finish (laughs) and the stories and the, so how do you feel like your story continues with these objects you've found and, and how do you kind of rationalize that? Does that make Mm. sense? It totally makes sense. I definitely think I've come a long way with that. Oh my gosh. It's like, this is an explosion, an explosive question, I think, because I definitely have little piles of textiles and photographs that I kind of, I'm like, well, I'll save this for the, you know, for the best thing or whatever, but, but not many, they really, my piles really kind of like grow and diminish and grow and diminish. Um, I think that there's just so much in this world. And I think I have this um, for better or for worse. I feel like I always step back really, really far kind of off the planet and look and see how tiny we are and how tiny I am and how insignificant we are and just how new we are of a species. And this tiny blip of history that we are always trying to preserve growing up, loving Indiana Jones and, you know, thinking things belonged in museums. I mean, I feel like it's kind of absurd. And when we first moved to Westchester, where we live now, or actually before when we were, I was taking Soren and Silas to their homeschool co-op, I would see all these old homes. And I was like, wow, this Chester County must be a place that really preserves old homes because there's so many of them. And I, and I was trying to dig into the, into the history and, you know, why there's so many buildings here. And it, it wasn't anybody's mission to save the buildings. There are just so many old buildings. There's so many mm-hmm. torn down. And now I kind of, you know, I'm up, I lament so many, so much destruction of these old homes, but there mm-hmm. are just so many things. And, um, and, the and, you know, whatever the world's changing, we need to kind of make room for, right. I guess we have to make room for people, maybe not more things. So cutting things up and making new things is, is just not, it's barely a problem for me. And also, um, this is maybe, you know, getting into the kind of the sadness of it. But um, when my mom died two years ago, and I was going through her house, I think it's tough to go through a parent's house, no matter what, but because of horrible circumstances, um, I guess everybody's circumstances are horrible. It was even more difficult, because it was just like a race to clear everything out. And I feel like I, I probably got rid of far too much in my haste. But, you know, just seeing, picking, picking up an old object that she treasured that we found together at a flea market, and then that's going back to a flea market or to a thrift store. It's kind of wild to see that cycle. And I think I don't really have a point to this part of the story. I think that I, you you just see so many things in, in my little lifetime, I see so many things pass through and like, you know, they're given new life and then they're, it's taken away. And now my dad's selling his house, which is the house Mm -hmm. I grew up in. And, you know, things are kind of cropping up and I'm finding myself not wanting to go help him because I almost don't want to go through this excruciating pain of seeing of like revisiting old objects so I think I guess you know objects carry so much so much and um it's nice to transform them (laughs) and kind of reimagine altogether what their their meaning is or was I agree I love thinking about it in that way and you said something that was I guess a, a bit of an aha because there are so many things in the world and and I remember when I was younger thinking oh my gosh if I don't get this you know whatever thing that I'm looking at. I'll never find another one like it. And and you very well might not, but if you just drive down that street wherever you are, it's like that mm-hmm. house is full of things and that apartment is full of things and everybody, you know, sometime mm-hmm. those are all are going to come to light again and there are treasures everywhere yes. you go. And I always feel yeah. like that when I cuz I'm a big flea marketer and you never miss what you don't see. Like if I don't get there on Friday morning when it opens, if I don't get there till Saturday, I might think, what did I miss? But I'll never know. And if if there's a treasure that speaks to me, that's great. But I think there's something about that process of going through it, seeing it, feeling those memories and passing it on. Because you, and if you found it with your mom, you found it at that, you found it, somebody else had it. So there was already a story there and we're just continuing that. And maybe- Maybe that'll make it a little easier for me. Oh, goodness. It's just, um, it's a cyclical process. That's what life is. I found as I've gotten older, sometimes I'd rather have a photograph of that thing, which I take a ton in my camera. Not that I always go back and look, but I might. Or a memory of the day or something, you know, Mm -hmm. instead of having to keep it perfectly without you know, cutting it up or moving it on or, or whatever. Right. And then you have to dust it and move it and care for it. That was <laughs> a whole different kind of burden. <laughs> it does. It does. But you know, I was just, I tra- I live in a very small house and I do love the treasures. And I, I just took my windowsill in front of my sink the other day. And I went through, I ha- I live on 
near the water. So I have, you know, there's that rock, that particular rock that could go right back to the beach and be just that rock. But right now it looks like this in the light or whatever it is. And, yeah. and just kind of moving things around and it's like, okay, I could get rid of that stick right now. <laughs> but it's just kind of having a little moment with some things. And, and I, I feel like that's one of the things you do with your, with all your drawing, which I love so much. I love looking at it and how you've taken to doing left hand, right hand and, and your journals, because I'm not trying to see what you see. I'm appreciating you, your gift of sharing what you see. And you're such an artist with words too. I I just have to thank you for your, I don't know, it feels brave to me to put some of that into the world. It feels like a big share for me. And I really am grateful for that. That's so nice to hear. I I definitely will wake up in the middle of the night sometimes like what the hell did I just post online um so it's nice to hear that <laughs> that's that that's that kind of grounded part where I'm starting to realize that other people are seeing it and like oh my goodness <laughs> whether it was you know bad writing or you know something that I shouldn't have broadcast so thank you for that <laughs> you know I feel like the whole social media or or being out there in whatever way it's become so glossy and I've so drawn to the people that take the glossy away, you know, and just are very real. I've found somebody sent me a, a woman's Instagram because I always think, oh, I can't, I think too much often before I post. But this woman, she's probably a whole lot older than me, actually. But she's like the quintessential kind of granny. Like the first reel I saw of her, she was ironing napkins and she was just talking about, oh, I'm ironing that. And she just is so real. She puts her hair up in a in curlers and a bandana and she just comes in with her cup of tea and she's like Mrs. Piggle like she's a character but then the other day she was just talking about her coffee and then she said but I used to go to this job and it was awful and I didn't want to go and I love the realness so I'm just sharing permission to be as real as possible and if people aren't following you they should because you drive that home how do you share time with your creative passions the the work part and the drawing and the travel and making sure your kids are well grounded how do you find <laughs> that you share that time i don't know why i keep laughing when you say grounded margo <laughs> <laughs> i'll pick another word what was the one we started I with i think I mean, the fact that that Soren and Silas don't go to a regular school, sometimes I feel like it takes, you know, I don't have that you know, yellow bus coming and, and that time to myself for the day. But but mostly I realize it gives us so much freedom, maybe too much freedom, but it gives us freedom to travel, you know, when it's not spring break or when it's not Christmas. And it gives us time to kind of, like, often we go to we go to movies on, you know, during the week and we go for bike rides or walks in the woods during, they they do they go to um a co-op for three days a week for five hours but you know like today I'm going to pick them up and we're going to see bonsai Silas my, my Silas is doing a project on bonsai so we're going to go see those and go to the bookstore it just gives us this time to just incorporate I, I keep using the words discovery and curiosity but I feel like that's what we get to do we just have time to do that that's the best gift of all yeah and then for my alone time I don't sleep the recommended hours of sleep and I'm, I'm healthier for, I would love to see um, a study on this kind of reversal of sleep. We always hear about how important it is, but when I sleep more, I, I need to sleep more and I get like mm -hmm. depressed and it just doesn't work out anyway. So I don't sleep a ton. And so I'm, I, I kind of do my alone time stuff on both ends of the day. Um, I wake up before my family and I go to bed after my family. So I spend, I spend the mornings and nights writing and drawing. I love that. I can completely relate to that. There's some, there's something that happens for me at the end of the day when the darkness is around me and people are settling in that I can finally focus. Mm, yeah. And it's, I don't know, maybe that's just how we are. I know. That's why I feel like there needs to be something because I feel like there's so many people that I talk to who have the same, like, you know, not, they don't need a ton of sleep and they are thriving off of the energy of you know, just making and thinking and reading. Um, I feel like there needs to be something, there needs to be a study on this. I know there's, a, I know there's genes that, um, I can't remember what the genes are, but that, you know, make people less, not needing, I can't use words, um, need less sleep. And when they get more sleep, um, it's, you know, it has a, a negative impact. So, but I feel like we need less research and more like kind of, I don't know, discussion yeah, it, about this. I agree. Like, what about, because we do read all the time, 
this will be better for you if you get more sleep and this will be better. And I always think, oh gosh, I'm not that person. I remember once reading or hearing that Martha Stewart only got four hours of sleep. And I was like, oh, maybe that's why she does all those things. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I feel like your writing is as much a part of your art as your visual work. How do you feel that that pours forth from you with the with the kind of magic and curiosity that you have. I feel like you're very much a, a hard on your sleeve person, which I, for one, completely respect those who are just feelers. <laughs> yeah, that is what I am. I think in words. Mm. That, and I, I kind of discovered more recently that, that that's not how everybody works. Yes, I've read into that. I read a little bit about that, too. I'd love to talk about that. Yeah, the aphantasia thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like I know enough about that. A friend of mine just sent me, an, a, a friend who I've been friends with for more than half of my life sent me this article and said, oh, is, is this you? And it was um, Allison, somebody, a writer was talking to the founder of Pixar. And I don't remember the details, but maybe she asked him to envision a, tea, a white teapot. And he couldn't, he couldn't see a picture of it. And I'm like, I can't envision a white teapot. I can describe it with words and I could draw it using those words, but I don't see a white teapot. and so. Um, Yeah, I think I just, this is just a recent, you know, this was like a few months ago discovery that people don't think like when I walk, I hear voices in my head. And, you know, so um, when I find like a nice rhythm or a nice something, then, um, then I write that down. I I kind of, you know, that's what I'm looking for. I don't Mm -hmm. think I'm, I see, you know, I see the world around me and I take photographs and, um, but I, I don't even know if maybe I need to talk more about it. I don't, maybe everybody thinks in words as well. But um, that that post that I did about aphantasia, I was I think I was trying to draw a rabbit without mm. using reference. Oh right, right. And when I was done, the rabbit had cat ears, <laughs> and it was like in my head. I was just trying to imagine like the you know the the dialogue, like two ears, <laughs> and I made these pointy ears, and, it, and it, you know it occurred to me that it was like off once I saw the drawing at the end, but not as I was doing it. So. I, I guess there's some more to be discovered about this kind of way of thinking. But anyway, to get back to the writing, um, I love words. I love, I mean, I obviously love thinking with words, but I love, I love reading and um, I don't have a good attention span. So I I don't sit and read, I walk and read. So I'm getting like oxygen and movement and words in my head. And I am like, I am the person in the woods with the book, you know, laughing or crying or underlining Aww. things or just like feverishly scribbling. Um, so yeah, I, words are, words are important. I love that you take them in differently too. I mean, you think in words, that's a really interesting thing. I'm going to have to spend some time on that later today. Just what, what that means to me, but then walking and reading too, I can pick, I can just picture it. And now when you say that, it's like, am I seeing it or am I imagining the thought of it? You know, because after I read about, I've, I saw on your post, I think, about aphantasia, and then I dug into it a little bit because there were a few comments from people on your post that said, how is that not possible? And others saying, oh my gosh, that's totally me. And and it might be just another one of those things. Well, not might be. It is that we're just discovering. I mean, other people know, but I love the conversations that happen between this creative group of people that you can you can lean into without feeling awkward about it. It's like, oh, what is that? That is so fascinating. I I don't know. It'd be really cool to to study that more. And then there was an opposite of it, which I, I don't know if you said or I found it because I was reading about it too. Hyperantasia or something, which you see things way too much. Humans are so magical and mystifying. <laughs> like, and, and, and I feel like everything's kind of, this is how it is. Like you need all these hours of sleep or you're not going to, do and what about the people that don't you know it not everybody thinks the same i am not a linear thinker i am not a list maker those are the beautiful things i think that that create who we are and and i think the searching for that is where the magic can often be yeah and like kind of it feels so new to me but this like discovery that you know i guess there's this default in all of us where we all kind of imagine that the world i mean this is such a common question now but when i was when i was a kid i remember my dad saying like what if my red is your blue mm-hmm. and so it's like it's stayed with me my whole life just how um <clears throat> this idea of you know it, it seems so simple all the things we're talking about seem so simple but we all see the world the way we see the world so we just kind of assume the person next to us sees the world in that way too unless we unless we ask the question or unless it comes up in a different way that makes us realize we don't see the world 
the same. And um, that word hyper, whatever the word is for the yeah. opposite of aphantasia, when when I was talking about it, so when, when Katie sent me this article, I was reading it to my family, we were talking about it, and then we were watching videos on it. This all counts as homeschool, I think. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, and Soren, my eldest, she's 14, is an incredible artist, like the details yes. and what he does. And he's making, now I'm digressing, but he's making this map that's enormous. He loves maps. He was we've kind of been moving around. Oh my gosh, there are too many digressions. But anyway, he moved back into yeah, the- Digress away. <laughs> I, I will try to refrain from this. Maybe it'll come up. But he, so he, he just moved his studio temporarily back at my request, um, back into the Springhouse studio where I am. And he started doing this big map and and I was working in my corner. He was working in his. And then he stood up and he looked almost stunned. And, he, and he's like, the way he explained it. So he's working on a project for his co-op on maps. And the way he explained- what he just was stunned out of was that he was in the world that he was creating. He was like wow. in it. And then he popped up and had to kind of, you know, figure out where he was. It's almost mm-hmm. like he's back out of the wardrobe and into the bedroom. And he's just like, you know, trying to find some kind of grounding. And so he's trying to figure out what to write. He has to do a 10 page paper this year. And he's like, what do I write? I've, I'm like collecting my facts and I'm taking notes. And I was like, that's what you need to write. Like you literally just stood up. It was clear that he was, that he had been somewhere else, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think he has the opposite where he's just so visual that he was literally in this space and transcribing it onto this paper. So it's neat that, I mean, you know, who knows, who knows the technical terms and what really is or what we're drawn to, but it seems like Soren is the exact opposite of me with the visual, visual, visualization. That's so cool. And for you to be able to share that space and have witnessed that a gift and to maybe help him see that that's your paper wherever you just were is your is your your paper and and one that other people will probably want to read as well yes exactly that's where the excitement is and I feel like even I feel like there's this idea of you know I have to do a 10-page paper and it needs to have this intro and this you know whatever like that kind of formulaic I'm not the one to teach how to write or the rules of writing so yeah when he pops up with this kind of with that experience like that's the thing to capture and you know how do you do that (laughs) oh my gosh well and I think at that age we're learning structure and types of words and things you're supposed to combine and how to how to create a paragraph I mean like like it's actual structure and for me I got so like that just took all the magic away for me for so long I I remember even I think it was a college English course my first year where I just had so I struggled so I do struggle so with writing until I put myself in that world I I can remember one paper that particularly flowed so easy for me. And it was because I think it was describe your favorite place. And I went there in my mind and it was so easy to write about because, because I, it was part of me. Right. And, and I think when you're walking through the woods or you're thinking with words or whatever that is, you're allowing yourself, it feels like to just express what you feel instead of what you think somebody is looking for. And I think- same goes, of course, for putting art on the page that's that's drawing instead of words. So I'm curious about the jewelry. I love jewelry and I always I feel like had I had a different different people showing me things along the way, I would have gotten into it earlier. But how did that evolve for you guys? Because that hmm. seems like your your thing, but I don't know. Yeah, it it definitely is. I feel <laughs> I feel like it really starts started when I was I, when I was really young, I loved Egyptian. I feel like, I don't know, there's these pockets of kids, but I loved Egyptian history. So I was always interested in jewelry and, and metalwork from then. I mean, at a, you know, elementary school, like at a really young yeah. age. So, so I was always like tinkering and making things. And then I think it was high school or middle school. Um, the art teachers were able to um, choose students and um, to send to, for a scholarship to Moore. It's like an all girls college in Philadelphia. So, um, so I got to go there for a few years and the only, I guess the only course that they didn't let you just take on scholarship was jewelry. Huh. But the, um, so my dad sent me one summer along with a scholarship class. And then one of the professors just let me continue to take it. And then my dad, who's like the ever supportive, weird dad, <laughs> he set me up. He had like a kind of like a small room attached to his bedroom. And he set me up with a torch <laughs> and, a, and a desk right, wow. like, right next to his bedroom. So I was playing around with jewelry and it was probably high school. I guess that makes sense. In like ninth, tenth grade. Wow, so, that's um, so great. Yeah, really. And actually, 
That, yeah, my first job also for my dad. I was just talking to Soren about this the other day because he's so quiet about everything that he makes. And I'm like, you have to toot your own horn if you yeah. if you don't like give me a give me a nudge and I'll toot your horn. <laughs> but you know, we have to kind of promote ourselves. And yeah, my dad always did that with me. When I, one of the rings that I made in that summer class, it was a it was a Birkenstock and it was like fabricated like down to the detail of texture and he and we would go to my dad my dad and stepmom would always take me to craft shows and they would show off what I did and so I got a job as a jeweler's apprentice it was like my first official job but it was like I always did like you know making posters for people's businesses yeah, yeah. the odds and ends that nobody ever paid you for yes <laughs> many of those go, too <laughs> even though they were supposed to it's like wait but this is you had fun doing it this isn't payable work <laughs> but wait so I got a job which was still ridiculous it was three hours a week on Saturdays um in in New Jersey so my stepmom would drive me like the hour there wow. and back you know or, or like 45 minutes there and back so I could yeah. work for like three hours but it was it was such a good experience that I don't I don't even remember who the makers were it's kind of funny I, don't, I have no idea what their names were or what they made but I did most of the the saw yeah so production stuff basically it was production stuff but yeah. a lot if you're doing a lot of sawing you're you're gonna get good at it for sure yeah absolutely and I did I thought it was I thought it was actually really good at it. I'm just like I love doing it and it was yeah. um, it's very zen I would, yeah, totally. But I would break the saws. And I remember they were $2.10 a dozen. And they would always threaten that they would make me pay for the, the saw blades out of my, you know, my meager pay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love like, that you remember the price. Because <laughs> I because I was getting paid, I think I was getting paid $8 an hour, and you know, for three hours. So yeah, um, so it was a pretty significant chunk of my yeah. cat, <laughs> my cat three hours. Um, but yeah, so then I started making um, jewelry. Then then I, I, I guess, who knows the order, but I kept going to the summer classes and my dad got me the torch and bench. And so I just started making jewelry and um, consigning it to local shops wow. and, and I never stopped. Yeah. So I love that. Always, it's, it's definitely not that like, you know, at the front of our business, you have to do a little digging to find it. I feel like. But, oh my um, gosh. I've, I've been a fan of it for a really long time. Like you're anytime there's a picture of your hand with your ring stack. I'm just like, Oh my God. Look at those. <laughs> but I just love the um I feel like you your personality really comes through in those and the the shapes and the just the the way you've cast them and the little flowers and it's I it's one of my favorite lines really. Oh, thank so you. It's beautiful. So do you make it all yourself? No, actually I make the original the first and then we've been through so many scenarios with like different casters or finishers. I mean, Jewelers Row in Philadelphia, then in New yeah. York, but the quality, the production quality is just, just not good. By not good, it's the communicating what we wanted was really tough because a lot of jewelers like things to be exact and shiny. Mm -hmm. yes. And we were trying to make things as if they were artifacts that were, you know, right. pulled out of the ground. Right. So um, that's why so I like really it so much. Yeah. And we did, we, we worked with a few good people who went, who ended up going on to do their own thing. Mm -hmm. So I guess like two years ago, or maybe three years ago, we decided to bring all the jewelry in house, the casting and everything. Oh, wow. And so Walter, he loves figuring things out and making things. So he, he's now our jeweler. He casts, he makes the molds, he casts. So I'm only doing the prototype and then the packaging. Well, that, but that's a great, uh, that's another, you know, you're both doing it yet another thing yeah. that's that's i mean if you were doing it i was gonna say how <laughs> are you on earth are you doing that too i mean it's kind of crazy that walter's doing it well we did have this um we had a guy who went on he was awesome too actually he was he was the reason why we set it up in our shop he would mm. he um was a jeweler a graduate student at tyler where i went and um he ended up going to um I can't, I don't think I could say this right. So I guess we'll have to cut it out, but he's a, he's a professor at maybe university of the arts. He was like bringing mm -hmm. back their jewelry program. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I'm kind of rambling on because I don't know the specifics, but he ended up leaving, unfortunately, like pretty, pretty quickly after we set up the studio. I mean, by quickly, maybe mm -hmm. a year or something. Yeah. So Walter's like, I'll just, it, I see him do it. It's not, it doesn't look that hard. And Walter's like so attentive to detail and how things work. And, um, of course, it's the best. It's the best um, production I think we've had. Oh, at all. well, yeah, I'll bet. Because, <laughs> I mean, the vision is carried all the way through, which is, yeah. which is great. Yeah, uh, I have, um, I've done a couple of wax casting workshops, basically, not really a class. And just, I just feel like, oh, if I could spend enough time really learning this, I would love it. But yeah, you know, add that to the long list. 
I know the long list of rabbit holes. Um, it's Soren and Silas, our kids, um, our boys really want to do a workshop. So we're going to do a homeschool workshop. Oh yeah. We're making it some, have they done any yet? Not, not with casting or anything. Actually, I don't, I don't think they've done, I don't think they've done anything. Um, no. So no, (laughs) that'll be fun to see how their talents, you know, just translate, translate to that. That's the word I was looking for. Yeah. So what, would talk to me a little bit. This question just came up because you talked about your boys and they feel so creative to me and grounded in their education that you're giving them. How do you manifest that in your particular case? Because they just seem really, really creative. Yeah. I don't, I mean, they're my only kids. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it's like otherwise. In some ways, it seems that it's easy because our lives are creative and the fact that they that they are as well or that we get to do. I mean, I, I guess I think of like some of my earliest memories when we lived in Philadelphia was like, you know, having two young kids and waiting in a restaurant for food to come, for example. And we would just bring our art supplies and paper and we would just draw. And so mm. where where maybe other kids would be cranky and noisy, our guys were just we're just drawing. So I feel like that's an example of the ease that could come when everybody's Mm. interested in the same thing, or at least in, you know, components of the same thing. So I think that's kind of just an extension of all the things that we do with education. And Soren and Silas were taking a drawing class, a beginners, a beginning drawing class at a a local college. And I was just talking to um, the professor's wife and she was, and she didn't go into detail, but I was just saying how much Soren loved the class. And she was saying that, um, that her husband was like, I guess she didn't say what his comments were, but she said that he was commenting and she, and her response was, I think they draw all the time. And it's, mm. you know, whatever it is that you do all the time really does come right. out and, and who knows what comes first, whether they'd have been, whether they were skilled. And so, so it worked perfectly or mm-hmm. whether our kind of persistence brought it out. Yeah. That you've made it, you kind of made it a habit early on. And mm-hmm. I, I think if you introduce that at a young age like that, when there's every, there's all the opportunities to do any number of other things, but I think, no, this is what we do when we wait. And then, and then that becomes comfortable. And I think that's one of the things that we all struggle with if it's not comfortable is how do I, how do I get there? You know, do I have my watercolors next to my desk or on my desk or open even better? And it's like anything. If I want to exercise every day, I have to make the time and the space and put it in front of me and make sure my shoes are available and go do it, you know? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I have a yoga mat in, in like a lot of our, the rooms in our house. Nice. <laughs> so I'm like making sure that I'm always, if I need to do yoga or stretch or whatever, it's just always available. I, I, yeah, I do think it's the same thing. And it's also kind of why we make a lot of things we make at Pagan All. It's like, how do you, how do you make it so that doing what you want to do all the time is, mm-hmm. I don't want to say convenient, but yeah, but I guess accessible. Yeah. I think that's a really good point because often I think people put away the, what do you want to do all the time thing? for mm-hmm. what should I be doing or well, what this is what I studied for or whatever. And it mm-hmm. sounds like your dad was encouraging and set that up, you know, and, and you guys have passed that on certainly, but how do we do that for ourselves? Well, I, I mean, I'd love to know what you think. I just think we try and make it accessible to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. It's hard. Again, it's hard to know like what comes first. I feel like, like you were saying with the jewelry, there's so many things I want to do. So it's like, how do you, for me, it's like, how do I um, make things accessible by kind of refusing other things? Yes. So I guess there, there are different ways to have this problem. And so either like, how do I start or how do I narrow down? Um, I'm definitely more on that side. Yeah. You're right. It's no has to be in there too, yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a tool <laughs> for sure. Okay. So if, do you have a favorite poet? I do specifically have a favorite poet. No, I don't. I don't know if he's my favorite poet, but I've been listening to a lot of um, poetry unbound with mm-hmm. Padraig Otuma, if if I'm pronouncing that right. Throughout the pandemic, he's been kind of the calm voice. I, but every time I listen to poetry unbound, I would walk and it would just kind of like melt away all of my mm. anxieties. I guess. What do you think about it? Made that happen? Just how he, what he was talking about, or how he put it together. I think- well, first, I think it's this is I think like simply his voice and his kind of patience with language, with discovery um, of or, or of meaning, with um, 
just his whole, like even just interviews with him about him, he seems to have that kind of way of taking something apart and putting it back together again. That just is so, the the pace was so comforting, I think. Mm So I really loved that. And, and also, I think like a lot of the poems that he chooses, it was they were so inspiring because they weren't poets. That I mean, I, I feel like I didn't know, I still don't know poetry, but um, there was some, there's something about him that kind of brought me into that world in a way that I've never been brought into the world. Was, yeah, there was just, there's something about that experience during the, the experience of that podcast that was yeah. was incredibly inspiring to me. Um, not in the way I do anything, just in the way um, he just was able to kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, well, being like, being exposed to new things, like, you know, we can listen to Spotify and they can share a song with us that we might not have heard, or we can learn about a poet we didn't know about before. And to have it dug into and talked about like that, <clears throat> excuse me, is that's not, that's something we'd usually do if we chose to take that class or something. It's hard to find yeah. that opportunity. And I love the whole concept of that. Yeah. Do you have you do you listen to that podcast? I have listened to it and I yeah. hadn't thought about it for a long time until you said something. And I it was a specific road trip we were on to the coast and I just was like, couldn't stop. I couldn't yeah. stop. Yeah. It's just so nice because we fill our brains with what do I have to do today and what's the news and you know, what are my responsibilities and is this finished and what's on my list? And then that is just like, oh, think about words and how they're put together and what this person might have meant and just yeah. yeah. And I think we're, I think there's also, I mean, I think a lot of us, and I, I definitely am guilty of this, but like trying to figure out like truths of things, like, you know, what's wrong with our food system or what's wrong with capitalism or whatever we, these broad subjects and like right. kind of getting into these kind of like, un, you know, things that aren't so quickly resolvable. And to hear this little moment in someone's life that is um, so different from mine, the fact that you can be brought in so so briefly, but so deeply, I think that was the, that tiny essence of another's life is what was so compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, it just takes you outside of all those kind of bigger, of course, they're within other bigger stories, but um, yeah. they were just, they're just nice little moments. Yeah, it feels like a gift we get to give ourselves by listening. But one of the cool things too is, is like, I get connected I mean, I've, as we mentioned before, I've known about you, but all of a sudden now it's like, I feel like I could sit down and have a cup of coffee weekly and, yeah. <laughs> you know, dig into all sorts. Those are the things that I feel like friends and community and like-mindedness, it's just so refreshing to be able to spend a little bit of time out of your normal daily routine. And I just, I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday who was racing to New York to meet somebody whose work she admires, you know, from a distance. And we were, and she was like, this is so, this is so stupid of me. And I'm like, no, you know, of course it's not like yeah, this no person's way. inspiring and you want to go have that experience. And so she's like, I just feel like I know so many magical creatures in this world. And she's like, I feel like I know more magical creatures than, than the average person. And it's funny because we were just kind of discussing how like the, it's like anything that like you take away, I don't know, you take away any kind of veil or any kind of blocking thing and you find these magical creatures. I'm, I'm not doing this justice, but of course, mm-hmm. Or all over the place. And um it's and and you know, everybody's magical creatures are different. But for me and for my friend Claire for sure, it's like people who live outside of you know kind of the standards of living, people who are doing, you know, weird things in the and still managing to to live on on the planet with everybody. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes there are so many. And I think that's why I do love the visualness of Instagram and kind of the rabbit holes or any place like that where you can discover mm-hmm. those sure. people and 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 be encouraged to be more like that ourselves, you know, just try something, just say yes, you know, to that, to that thing that comes along. And, you know, that's why we, that's why we do what we do. I think those are the experiences that make it a lot more interesting. Sometimes when I get too head down, the connection to that can blur and be way on the outside. But if I can just remember, that's why, you know, I have a 14 year old. So that helps, you know, he was playing whatever he was playing in the car last night and, and dancing in the car and moving around. And I was sitting there and I was a little grumpy with him. And then I thought, okay, I could choose to dance in the car with him. And <laughs> what is going to be the better outcome for everyone? So I was like, all right, <laughs> that helped. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> it was great. It's a friend of ours, because we were waiting for his Cooper's improv class and a friend of ours pulled up next to us and <laughs> looked over and he's like, like, yeah, 
over here doing our thing. <laughs> Jealous. <laughs> you know? Right, right. <laughs> These people love life. <laughs> yeah, it's just a just a good reminder. But. Oh my goodness. My dad, this reminds me, my, my dad, as I said, he's, he's kind of unconventional in yet. He's like very conventional himself, but, um, my, my brother, who's a sore spot, but he, he embarrassed very easily. I was thinking, well, the, all these things might be what caused my brother to be this much that he is, but he oh. embarrassed very easily. And we had a convertible and, um, I remember one time in particular, it was, it was raining, it was pouring. And my brother was in the back seat. And my dad and I like put the side windows up and we're getting drenched. And my brother's like embarrassed and upset that he's like wet in the backseat. So my dad pulled over the side of the road, pulled me out of the car and we started, he turned the music up and we're just dancing. Oh on the my side gosh. Of the road. And my brother was now wet and mortified. <laughs> and like the, 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 you know, absurdity of this situation. Like, of course, nobody's, if anybody's looking, they're like, you know, they don't know us or, or hopefully they got some joy in the experience, but it's oh, like, yeah. You, yeah, same thing. You could either be miserable and wet in the back seat, or you could just, you know, be absurd. <laughs> or you can dance. Yeah, oh can my dance. gosh. That, yeah. That's the perfect metaphor, isn't it? It's, <laughs> and I, you know, some of those people just hold on to, to those things. And some of, some of us keep trying to, to dance. So what are you working on now that's inspiring you? Oh my goodness. I feel like I'm work. I feel like I'm working on too many things to make sense of what I'm working on. I'm definitely mm. in that place. Mm. Um, but I did. How just come? Start- are you doing things because they're on your list, or because you want to? There are things that are on my list. There are things that I have to do. There are things that I want to do. And I think there's just kind of a culmination of too many ideas, and therefore no ends. Like I'm always just kind of like working on each track a little bit, and never, never concluding anything. And I'm starting to feel a little, I think I'm starting to feel a little down. Like, am I not a concluder of things? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, so I did just start a, a drawing last night that I'm that's that I'm excited about. And hopefully will send me on like a little bit of a path mm-hmm. of I don't know about concluding something, but, <laughs> but at least making progress. I feel like sometimes I, I'm just like, I'm just dipping into too many things that, you know, it's like that kind of start stop where I'm never just sinking into something and, and looking up and it's dark, you know, I'm, I'm starving. It's dark. Like I long for something like that. So I feel like it's been a while since I've really been able to get lost in something other than the woods, mm. which is Pearl's lamenting right now that we're not getting lost in the woods. <laughs> um, soon, Pearl, <laughs> soon. <laughs> Yeah, and that's only because of my lack of direction. I feel like I'm that I'm able to get lost in the woods for, <laughs> for a good amount of time. Awesome. Well, thanks for all the time today. I really appreciate just being able to revisit and dig in because there's there's lots more. And I think it's super cool. Yeah. Yeah, me, me too. Thank you. Before you go, I just want to say a quick thanks for tuning in. I hope you found something useful to take away and something to make you think. For those of you listening in on Spotify, and I know there are many, you now have the cool option to show your love for Windowsill Chats quickly and easily. From the show page in the Spotify app, you can simply tap to rate it one to five stars. And of course, I'll really appreciate it too if you leave a review wherever you might be listening. See you next week, lovelies, and I hope it's a creative one.